Welcome everybody to Damage Radio. We're here live on Moncaradio.com where music reminds me. You already know me, I'm Marcy, alongside my guest. This man has traveled all around the world. He's used to be in uh, Ring of Honor, superstar, and uh, he's brutal. He's brutal, Bob Evans. Bob, thank you so much for your time today. Oh, well, thanks for having me. I really appreciate it and uh, looking forward to this. And as most people see me on video podcasts, I am once again in the car doing the drives, doing what I do. And uh, but I'm happy to join you today. So. So when do you get sleep in? Because you're always on the go. Well, yeah, I work. I work nights. Usually uh, I used to work. I was working seven days a week. I worked 358 days last year and uh, I were I was working an average of between 60 and 80 hours a week. Um, I had, uh, as you may or may not have known, I I suffered. I'm a compulsive gambler. I've been uh, free. Free of it so far for three years, uh, and a little change. February thirteenth was my, not twenty nineteen was my uh, anniversary. So, um, yeah, thanks. And uh, so, once I kind of cleared the first hurdle, I got this job. I, I, I can, I, you know, I'm, I'm a courier. We talked about it a little off the air, and I deliver uh, medication to nursing homes. And uh, the job saved my life. Gave me all the structure I needed. Um, Gave me uh, a good base, pays me fairly, pays me well. Um, I get to do stuff like this while I'm on the road. I'm an independent contractor. So um, my wife carries the insurance. So we have the benefit of me not having to worry about that, which is great. So, and uh, yeah, just uh, I, I do that and usually start about 8 p.m. and usually finish around 5 a.m. And hopefully three times a week I get to the gym, which I've been pretty good at lately and uh get to bed around seven eight o'clock and then get up around 12 one o'clock and so four or five hours of sleep not enough not yeah. enough especially when i'm getting older i'm almost 50 so um you know get your sleep everybody get your sleep eight nine hours some people are saying even seven hours isn't enough anymore so but i try to take a nap too um i'll take a nap before i go in just to kind of refresh myself and do what I do and, and be ready and be safe on the roads because everybody drives crazy, including me. Yeah. So Definitely. I'm a Massachusetts driver, so watch out. And uh, so, yeah, that's uh, that's pretty much where I get my sleep and then try to get the rest of life stuff going and hangs with Bob stuff going and all kinds of cool stuff. So that's, uh, yeah, that's my schedule. And then husband, father too. So it's uh, it's a busy time. It's a busy schedule. Definitely. Well, that's what I want to talk about right now. I'll talk about the challenges of balancing out, you know, being a real father, a son, a husband, pro wrestling, and being a coach. How do you mix them all together and make sure you, you give enough time for each? Well, how, I, how I've done it is actually that's kind of how the WrestleLife.com came about. It's, uh, I tried going pro in 2018, and what happened was uh, I just couldn't make it work. I couldn't structure my time. Um, and I had fought the fact that I thought – for 26 years, I started in 1992 as a wrestler. In, in 2018, 26 years later, I decided to go full-time, whatever that even means. And uh, I realized very quickly that as soon as wrestling turned into a job, I didn't like it anymore. Now, if, when wrestling was a fun side project, even if I was working on it 50 hours a week, which oftentimes I was, once it turned into a job, it really just became i detested it i hated it and it was like doing your homework washing the dishes mow the lawn it became just another chore that this adhd and the adhd rebellious teenager came back at me and i just couldn't make it work so but what i did realize was 
if I categorize wrestling as a lucrative side hustle or something I like to do or a part-time job, I liked it again. And I personally like having a well-paying job and then wrestling on the weekends and doing that. If you want to go full-time, I've, I've helped plenty of people go full-time. But I needed some sort of a balance. And what I was saying before was with the courier stuff, I was working seven days a week because I felt like the only really, really person I had to make amends to was my wife. Um, no one else really knew. And part of this, part of the 12 step, I'm a 12 step guy. Part of the 12 step system is making amends, making financial amends as long as, as long as I'm real, making real money. So I have to make the wrestling work within that structure or it doesn't go well for me. And so I've managed to do that. Now I've cut back on the courier stuff. I've been fortunate where I've picked up more jobs during the week. So I don't have to work as much. So I'm making as much money working five and a half days than I did seven. And I could probably even cut that down to four if I really wanted to. But right now I'm, I'm happy with doing what I'm doing. But this week we're going to truly independent wrestling, their return show after three years, shout out to those guys. And I raised my hand and I just said, Hey guys, I want to be a part of it. Nice. And if you can pay me, pay me. If you can't, you can't. Um, those, those people are like my family out there. So, and I want to be a part of their first event coming back. And they said, we'd love to have you. We don't know we can pay you, but we'd love to have you. I said, I'm going to bring the family and we're going to go to Berkshires and my family and my wife, my wife, and my kids have never seen the Berkshires. We're going to go to the Berkshires, just check it out. We're not going to stay there because it's very expensive. But then we're going to come back and we're going to stay in, we're going to stop halfway in Springfield. We're going to stay in Springfield at a nice hotel, comfortable hotel, something that I, my wife would be happy with staying in because I, you know, I, I don't stay in Fleabag hotels anymore. And then we're going to go, guess what? We're going to go to Monster Jam the next day in Worcester, in Worcester, nice. Mass. So That's we're awesome. just going to have a nice family weekend. And the fortunate thing is with the way I worked it out, wrestling is going to pay for just about everything. So nothing comes out of the budget. And if you ask me, how do you get it to balance? That's how you involve your family. You keep your work in the right pri uh, priority until you don't have to anymore. Now, if you want to go full time, that's fine. I can help you with that. But right now, I would say balance is a big thing because it also keeps your feet on the ground. We can have a good match at WrestleMania and we draw this money and we're so great. Um, I remember winning the New England Championship Wrestling Heavyweight title, which was the biggest title in New England at the time, and then delivering papers the next day with a belt in my backseat. So, you know, those, those reality checks are uh, valuable. Right. And, and again, like I said, man, I've wrestled 100 times a year or close to 100 times a year, probably 80 times a year. I've wrestled 20 times a year. I wrestled no times in a year because we, uh, we all sat home for a year. And what I've realized is that I want to do this part-time. Now, if that's part-time on the weekends, 40 weekends a year doing it, uh, you know, two shots, three shots on a weekend, to me, that's still considered part-time. Right. It, it beats me up because I work all week, but as long as, it's, as long as it's fairly lucrative, it pays the bills, it gets me paid as much as I would get uh, doing the courier stuff, fantastic, or more, obviously. So, nice. and that's the idea. So, yeah, that's, that's how I balance it. You got to keep your family in mind. You got to respect your family. It took me a long time to finally respect my family and, and come to terms with it. Um, I mean, I always had a mind. I'm, I always was mindful of it, but not as mindful as I could have been. So that's that's kind of where we where we are with that. And then you just kind of work them in, make it work, make it make it a fun work family vacation. Bring your girl. If you have no kids, bring your girl. That's always fun. Stay in a nice hotel. Spend a couple of bucks. 
you know, it, it just pretend you're going away for a weekend to do something else. And then just wrestling happens and maybe you make a little money, you know, maybe you make a little payday and then you make a little money at the merch table and wrestling pays for half of it. It doesn't have to pay for it right away, but stra- it's, it's strategy, man. It's, 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 I, I call it plan, execute, adjust. You got to, you got pl- to make a plan. You got to adjust that plan and you got to, you got to execute that plan. You got to adjust that plan. So that's, that's where I am. So hopefully that answers your question. Definitely does. So let's go back to the, the beginning, Brutal Baba. For those that don't know, what inspired you to pursue professional wrestling? Um, I was telling the story the other day to uh, a nice young wrestler in Texas. So I'll tell it again to you. Um, I was watching, I just started watching wrestling in 1984 and 1985. And it was, when, it was that brief time when Vince took over WTBS. And they were showing old highlights as well as matches. So they showed an old highlight. So this is 1985, but they showed an old highlight of a 1981 match between the Strongbows and Mr. Fuji and Mr. Saito from the old Hershey studio, or maybe Hamburg, I'm not sure. And it was when the, the Strongbows won the titles. And I just remember the crowd going absolutely crazy. They had a panned back hard cam shot of the entire ringside area and the place was going nuts. Now I had seen plenty of sports. I had seen some rabid baseball fans, basketball fans, but I had never seen anything like that. And I remember this one little boy, probably about 12, 13 years old, with like these plaid checkered pants or something. And he's jumping up and down higher than any basketball player I've ever seen. And I'm like, why is that young man going so nuts? So that's where it really started kind of clicking with me where it's like, I want to make people react like that. I want to figure out what this is. Plus, at the time, in late 84, early 1985, every kid in middle school was into just about every boy and was into wrestling at least some point. Because that's when wrestling was really bursting into the scene as far as mainstream stuff with Mr. T and Hulk Hogan and all that. And then Hulk Hogan and Piper were the two guys that got me into wrestling. I was fortunate enough to meet Piper. I haven't met Hogan yet. I had a chance to meet Hogan and I blew it. Mm-hmm. I was at all. Oh, I'll meet him later. And then he was already gone. I saw him at TV once and, and when I was booked as an extra and I... I I was hoping. I met Flair. I didn't meet Piper. So, I mean, I didn't meet Hogan. Excuse me. I met Piper at an indie show. And I took a picture with him and made sure I told him. I started crying when I met him because he he meant so much to me. You know, these guys, they – and then and he was so sweet. He was so nice. Nicest guy I've ever met as far as, uh, you know, they say never met your heroes. Well, boy, he was – he lived up to it and more. And he was so kind. Made everybody feel special. And uh, he said, I never get tired of that. You know, thanks so much. And – you know, I was, it was, uh, it was really cool to meet him. It was really cool to, to chat with him for that, for those little moments. And, you know, I tell the story about him when I met him and I said, oh, you know, I know we're not, I know we're not friends, but I feel like I know you. He's like, I met you. We're friends. That's it. And then I told that story and then I didn't know. So I have that as like a thing. And, uh, you know, but Piper, yeah, Piper, Hogan, those are the two guys. And then I just followed it like crazy. And I followed that. I followed Crockett. We just started getting, we just started getting the cable stuff. So I, um, I started watching all the Crockett shows, Flair and Dusty Rhodes and all that, and just followed it all through high school. And even when my friends kind of dropped off, I was the wrestling guy at school. So if you ask anybody in high school who would have become a wrestler, it definitely would have been me. So yeah. And then, uh, and then I did, and here I am 30 years later, still doing it. Um, but it's, yeah, man, that's how it did. Hogan and Piper and the the war to settle the score and all the MTV stuff and just that craziness. That was uh, that was by far the the stuff that really launched me into it. You know. Now, um, 
Do you have a favorite promo growing up that you, that you saw that, that that someone cut? Was it like you know Piper's Pit? Was, was anything that sticks on your mind that really like drew you? Um, probably the probably the Piper's the Piper's Pit stuff when he first started turning babyface in 1986. That was the stuff that really kind of got me going. And then I still think one of the best promos that really nobody ever talks about is the one where Piper gives his original retirement speech. And, uh, you know, he says, daddy's coming home and all that. So um, that's one that you can probably find it on Peacock and I'm sure you can find it on YouTube. It's uh, the week before. It's the week. Actually, I think it's the weekend of or the or the weekend before WrestleMania three. Um, and he had actually intended to retire. He was going to do They Live and then he was going to just do movies. And then the ring called him back. So. Um, but, yeah, that's. So that th- those promos were probably the ones that really caught me. Piper obviously was a great promo. Flair, Dusty Rhodes, all those guys. Those guys were always great. Problem is, like back then, we just—I loved wrestling so much. Every promo meant something to me. Like I didn't turn anything off. I was never bored by it. So, you know, you ask what was a good match and what was a bad match. They were all good to me. I didn't really—I didn't watch it like that. You know, we didn't—we didn't have that kind of a discretionary. Or discriminatory mind back then we just watched it to enjoy it you know and i'm not i'm not mad at people that watch it like that now i certainly watch it like that now but i wish i kind of wish for those innocent days where you would just watch matches and just love all of it right yeah piper was one of my favorites too because growing up in a scottish household my dad played the bagpipes oh, okay, over cool. over 30 years and uh seeing him come out with the kilt and you know with the band behind him that made my dad and I bond, you know, and that, that was an awesome moment for me, actually. Yeah, my um, my my dad used to kid me, and uh, I will use the clinical term for this because this is exactly how my dad called it. He used to call King Kong Bundy penis head, right? So, <laughs> right. So that's it. That, and then it, and he didn't call it anything else. He didn't call it a dirty word. That's what he actually called. So I actually wrestled Bundy, and I had him sign a picture to my dad. And he said, don't ever call me penis head again or else, you know. And my dad was like, I can't believe you told him that. I said, come on, it was it's all in good fun, you know. You had to, yeah. Yep, yep. So uh, looking back to where you, when you first started professional wrestling and to now, what's one thing you would have told yourself back then? So what would what would me, now me tell rookie Bob? Yep. Uh, don't be arrogant. Um, be humble. I always had trouble being humble when I started. I always thought I was the the cat's meow when I started, and I wasn't. Um, keep your passion and travel more. I didn't learn, really learn how to travel until the last ten years, and I would have really liked to. I would should have traveled earlier. I should have gotten out. I should have just gone places. It would have been more difficult. Mm-hmm. We would have had to make more phone calls, less, you know. But even in the early two thousands, I had we had chances to travel. We had we had the internet. I, I booked stuff through email and things like that it just i could have gotten it done i just didn't get it done so yeah that's that's what i would say be humble um wrestle more get in better shape i've never been a body guy but i was really not a body guy back then at least i stay in shape and i'm strong now i may not look it but i'm at least i'm in shape um and kind of just yeah just be have a little more humility realize that you know, this is, and, and then that's it really. And, you know, just love every bit of it and be grateful for it. I'm, I, I have such gratitude where I am now. So I'm really digging, I'm really digging this now. You know, this is the best time for wrestling for me ever. 
there are no other times because yes. we don't we don't have the past and we don't have the future we have now. So, but it's uh, it's such a great gift to even be still involved in the business in 30 years and still be relevant. And, you know, I, I, I was telling somebody the other day, I always wanted to be the cool old guy in the room and now I am. So I'm hoping I can still be the cool old guy in the room for another 20, 25 years. And obviously I don't think I want to wrestle that long. Um, you know, it's, it's not as important for me to wrestle as it is for me to show up and help people now. So I can half the time I'm going and I'm just setting up a table and selling pictures and my toys and things like that. I'm, you know, I'm, and then if I wrestle, I wrestle. And if I don't, I don't. That's fine. So but I'm always there to help. Always there to help push forward young people in their career. But, yeah, that's that's the thing. Just put put yourself in a little more service, have more humility. But I think that would I think I would have told myself that in life, too. So, right. Yeah. Do you have a favorite quote you like to live by? Um, let's see. There's so many. Um, yeah, just uh, be accountable. Be accountable. Um, plan, execute, adjust is always a good one. Uh, there, there's, it's more like a, a philosophy than it is really a quote. The the philosophy really is. There's always something you can do, and and I realized this the last couple of weeks. And I, I talked a good buddy of mine, Mike Kane, who does some really good marketing stuff. Um, Kane Mills Media, look him up. Does a lot of help. Helps like six figure people get six figure jobs. So he's kind of above my pay grade, but he still talks to me and has some really good contacts. But one of the things he's been teaching me lately is win your neighborhood. And that's not, that's a concept that's kind of old, you know, and you hear it in stand up too, be the best stand up in your club and then move on. The idea is everything you need is right in front of you. If you want to get in better shape, you can always eat better and you can always go to the gym. And if you can't go to the gym, you can always do push up, sit ups and, and go out and run a mile outside. There's always something you can do that you can always pick up a cinder block and press it over your head 10 times and you can get uh, something in. You can do squats. You can do um, the gotch workout. There's plenty of stuff you can do. There's probably, what, 60,000 hours of free content on YouTube where they can teach you how to exercise. Um, if you want to go to if you want to get a be- get better at wrestling, you can either move or you can find a school near you. And you can always, if there's not a really a great trainer around you, you can always, you can always invest and hire somebody to come in and do seminars for you once a month. There's always something you can do. And you can always get better gear. Gear is, gear is an email, a phone call, and a PayPal payment, and getting your gear. And boots, the same thing, all that stuff. And traveling, I did a post, you probably saw it today, um, about traveling, I showed people how you can work eight extra, eight, eight extra, probably half days a month and fly two places or you fly across the country and get probably 48 opportunities to fly. And obviously you want to get it. So they fly you in and they pay you to fly. But right now you have to, everything you need is right in front of you. And it's simple. It all seems so complicated, right? When we play it out, man, how do these guys get signed? How do these guys go all over the all over the place? Well, maybe there was a some sort of a cool tryout in California, and the New Jersey guy or the Massachusetts guy just got a flight to California and paid for the tryout and attended. And maybe they didn't even get the maybe they didn't even get that break, but they met four or five other promoters over there, and now they have a regular hustle out in California. 
You never know what's going to break for you unless you do it. If you sit home and wait for them to call you, they'll never call. They'll never call. Now, um, with wrestling blooming, like you said, all elite wrestling, another opportunity for someone to get on TV and get exposure, sure. whether it's um, YouTube matches on Dark or Elevation or, you know, Rampage or Dynamite. What are your thoughts uh -huh. on all elite wrestling? I think it's great. I think I have a lot of friends that work there, so it's easy for me to say it's great. I'm, I'm a supportive. I'm supportive of any any kind of wrestling. You know, the hardcore stuff, not my not my cup of tea. But guess what? There's plenty of movies that I don't like. There's plenty of TV shows I don't like. There's plenty of podcasts and music and things like that I don't like. And it can still exist. So that that's fine. Ex express it. Do it. That's what freedom is all about. But as far as all league wrestling, sure, yeah, great. I, I love it. It's a nice alternative. It's been pushing Vince. Anything that pushes Vince is good. We know what happened yeah. last time in the Attitude Era when you push Vince. Vince mm -hmm. came back. You know, I think the Cody thing is interesting. We'll see what happens. Um, I think Tony Khan has a lot of toys to play with now, and I don't know if he might have overstocked himself. So we'll see. But I think in April, when some of those original contracts get get done, I think it's April. Yeah, we'll start seeing some people kind of drop off and make a little financial room. I mean, he can't just he can't just sign everybody, you know. Yeah, definitely. And as far as the dark stuff, go for it. Now, if you go there nine times and you lose nine times, and they only see you as a loser guy who gets pinned in five minutes, maybe you want to take a little break. But you also have to go every time in better shape in better gear you know having more matches under your belt taking the taking the feedback that they give you if they don't give you any feedback ask somebody else for feedback and take that all in and come back i know we had people at our ring of honor tryout seminars it took them three or four times to get to get signed or get noticed but they would come back in better shape they'd take everybody's suggestions they'd roll them in and they'd start kicking butt and all of a sudden they were there and they were making a contribution, but it took a while. So yeah, just use every opportunity as a stepping stone to get yourself better. And if AEW doesn't work out, that's okay. It's, and even if you, even if you have a bad match or whatnot, it's not the end of the world. I've had plenty of bad matches. I've had plenty of bad matches on TV. It happens. You have to realize that if you're going to be in this business, you're going to have good matches and bad matches and you just keep moving on. So take it, take it in, be analytical, be clinical about your career. If you're career minded, and even if you want to do this for a side hustle, you still should be very, if you're going to use it as any kind of a business, you have to be very clinical about it. doesn't mean you have to be cold, but you can't flop on the floor and cry every bad match you have. And you can't pop a cork and pop champagne every good match you have. You have to kind of somewhere, you know, what did they say that the, the, you know, all the old timers in sports don't get too high and don't get too low so it's take it in use it for the use it for the exposure meet everybody talk to everybody people that will let you in their circle or people that will allow you to talk with them i mean there's plenty of great wrestling minds back there. there's plenty of great wrestling minds in wwe there's plenty of great wrestling minds and in impact and, and elsewhere that if you just talk to them and ask them for advice and not not look for work not trying to brother up to them or buddy up to them for work or trying to get signed, get signed. Maybe just asking them for advice. What would you do in my situation? When you were my age, what would you do? When you were my age, what was your next step? Tell me, 
Tell me more about yourself. Ask them what they would do. You'd be surprised how many people will open up when you're not looking to get something from them. Definitely. That's interesting. Now, um, if someone came to you and said, uh, Brutal Bob, we want to write a book about you, about your life. Um, what would the book be called? Um, let's see. I could, uh, I don't know. What would it be? Uh, I don't know, like half, half a jerk, half a nice guy, that type of thing. Make a lot of, make a lot of mistakes and, uh, and pay for them left and right. How not, you know, how to, how to screw up two marriages, how to, uh, how to finally get the life you want after ignoring all the good advice everyone gave you for years. Those are all good titles. Um, you know, I, I never... I never looked at and uh, you know just kind of my autobiography would be interesting just because I would it would be a lot of personal stuff too because I walked away from my wife and I married another lady and then that didn't work out and then I remarried my first wife and we've been married 17 years and very happy and all as well two great kids I was just fortunate my wife took me back so that it would be more of like it would be that story too of perseverance and a love story that you know, I broke and then my wife and, and I managed to put back together. That would be a big piece of the book. Um, a lot of the book would be how to you know reinvent yourself and how at 37, I got my big break and how that big break sort of worked out for me very well. But then it just kind of ended. I wish there was some big dramatic story about how Ring of Honor fired my butt and they threw me out, you know, and or and I told them to go screw and or I was, you know, I. You know, I tried to marry all the women in the back and they threw me out and I had to, you know, there was nothing like that. There was no big dramatic story. We just kind of stopped working together. Um, there were some changes in management, which didn't really work very out very well for Ring of Honor. But this is an I told you so type of thing. I was the cog in the wheel of Ring of Honor. And, and my biggest strength of Ring of Honor was the tryout camp. Tryout camps kind of stopped. There really wasn't as much of a need for me. I was a nice undercard guy, somebody they liked to have around. They didn't. They certainly didn't need Bob around. So, um, and really, the last three years I was there, it was a pay cut for me. Um, I had built up my own little brand, so to speak, and did pretty well for myself. So I didn't really need Ring of Honor anymore. Like Jim Cornette said, I'm not in the wrestling business. I'm in the Jim Cornette business. I just became in the hangs with Bob Wrestle Life business. So. I didn't particularly need one company. That doesn't mean, and no one's knocking on my door, I'll tell you that. But if someone called and, and offered me a job, I certainly would take it under consideration. I've had some offers in the past, but they've involved moving and relocating, and I just wouldn't, I'm not interested in relocating. I like my little, I, grew, I, I have a house a thousand feet from where I grew up, and I'm very happy doing that. I'm a small town guy. I love the stuff I do. I love traveling, I really do. But I'm a small town guy who doesn't mind the winter in New England, doesn't mind any of that stuff. I want the four seasons. I want I want all of it. And um, I'm very happy being here, growing old here. Uh, I love some other parts of the country. I wouldn't mind maybe living there at times. But really, I'm kind of a New England, a little New England guy at heart. So definitely. Now, uh, we're talking about Ring of Honor now. Uh, talk a bit about teaming with uh, Cheeseburger as the Brutal Burgers. How was that? Yeah, it was, it was, uh, that turned out, I saw him 
I won't name names because I get along with these people now, but he was a real young guy. He was just, he was, they called him cheeseburger because he looked like he needed to eat one because he was so small. Yeah. And he was small. And now, now he's actually got some muscle on him. But back then, he was really small. And, uh, but he's just a nice, sweet kid, just helped everybody, worked his butt off. And, uh, he kind of, he just took one of the Ring of Honor tryout seminars one day. And, um, he had a match. They had two matches. We had a match Saturday and a match Sunday. Well, the match Saturday, he, I, I felt like the, the the veteran he worked with kind of mistreated him, beat him up a little bit. Didn't really make him look good. Didn't spotlight him. And I bet the person now who's grown up and evolved a lot uh, would have a different match with him now. But at the time, he wasn't maybe he wasn't in the best place, so he kind of had a I don't know. He kind of had a poor match with him. I, I just wouldn't have done that with such a nice kid and. You know, it just seemed like he bullied him a bit. You know, he didn't beat him. He didn't hurt him. But he just didn't didn't have a good match with him, in my opinion. So I asked. I said, hey, can I team with that kid? They're like, you want to team with him? I was like, yeah, let's put a little tag match together. So we ended up having this crazy tag match the next day with two guys who were willing to play along. And, you know, and Kevin Kelly was smart enough to say, hey, hey, Delirious, because that was because deli- Berger was Delirious his right hand man for years. This back, Kevin was uh, said to me, Delirious was really paying close attention to that match. Said he did, you know, this, there might be something in that team. And actually, the next three years we ended up had, uh, we ended up opening up Final Battle. Uh, all three years we had a uh, two YouTube matches to open up, um, and then. Our, our, the finish to our feud was opened up in uh, the final battle 2015. And I remember when, the, when the, the thing came up, the big graphic came up on the wall right before we walked out. The place went crazy. And I was like, man, because I was so upset that we didn't get on the pay-per-view. Um, it really bothered me because I, we had put a lot of time and effort into that feud. And I had worked really, really hard to put it together. So when I found out we were going to be a YouTube match, I just kind of created my own reality where I cut a promo and said that since we had already tried to like saw his arm off and we had tried to break his arm and do all kinds of crazy stuff, but we were just bumbling. Me and Tim were such bumbling fools. My partner, Tim Hughes. Yeah. You know, I'm the only wrestler that could bring out a saw on national TV and have everyone go, well, who cares? <laughs> it, it didn't cause a stir. It didn't. Yeah. Nobody protested. Nobody said this has gone too far. Because uh, I'm, I'm, I, I was played like such an idiot on TV. So, um, but we'd already tried to do all the stuff. So I kind of just made up the storyline that we were too dangerous to be on the pay per view since it was live. So they had to pre-record our match and put it on YouTube. So ended up getting a lot of interest in it. It was the highest uh, viewed before the, you know before the women really took took a hold. We were the highest viewed match on there for a long time, and I was real proud of that. And uh, yeah, he, I, I love the guy. You know, he's matured, and he's doing his own seminars now, and he's running his own school, Worldwide Dojo, actually in the old Ring of Honor Dojo in Bristol, Pennsylvania. Bristol, I'm super yeah. proud of him. Yeah, he's a good buddy of mine. We've mended our fences since then. We're friends now again, and uh, I've done, I've done some classes at his place, and. Uh, Highly recommend the guy. Book him for seminars. Book him for wrestling. Very knowledgeable dude. And um, just a, a wonderful human being. And I, I love the guy. He's a dear friend. And he's a heck of a worker. And he's a heck of a trainer. Dude, he's going to... 
he's going to make his mark both as an excellent wrestler, but I think he's really going to make his mark as a teacher because he's, uh, he's, a, he's a phenomenal teacher. His students are all very good, very grounded, very fundamentally sound, and uh, they're starting to make some, make some waves. Definitely. Another uh, part of our Ring of Honor uh, was when you were managing uh, Mike Bennett with Maria. Talk, talk sure. about that time. Yeah, they, uh, the first Ring of Honor seminar I actually paid for. And Mikey B, who I call him, I've known Mike since he was 17. So and Mike trained with me originally. The story was real. So aside from me being the bitter wrestler, that really wasn't that real. I wasn't that bitter, but me mentoring him and, and being him being my student for years was definitely true. So they brought us in together. And Jim Cornette was the guy who hired me. And he said, um, I want to bring you in to be with Mike. And he's, he basically told me to dress up like Mickey from Rocky without saying Mickey from Rocky, which I thought was pretty funny. Right. So I, I, put, the whole, I put the whole garb on and I said, what do you think? And he's like, oh, that's great. And then I kind of made it my own. I kind of stripped it down a little bit later on because I was trying to, I was, I was getting in better shape and I wanted to wrestle. Um, but I managed Mike for almost two years. And then Maria came in, they started dating, they started getting serious. And then really that was kind of, you know, with her, I mean, she's a star. She was the biggest star on our roster for years until the guys really started catching fire. And she's wonderful. She's a, a, a dear friend, you know, Mike's, Mike's, like a little brother to me, you know, I, we're, we're still very close to this day. And, um, you know, I think nothing but good thoughts for, with, with those two. And now that he's a dad with two kids and he's gone through his own addiction issues and yeah. he's doing a great job and, uh, you know, doing his thing at impact and doing, you know, been all over WWE and impact and everywhere. And, you know, it was, it's fun to see him with Taven and, and Vinny Marcellia because, those two are guys that I really mentored along in the Indi in, in the Massachusetts Indies as well. So I consider those like part of my wrestling family too. So it's all my babies in, in one place, which is great. And I was very close with Adam Cole. I, you know, I trust me, Adam Cole would have been Adam Cole without Bob hanging around, you know, but I did my little piece, you know, I sprinkled a little Bob dust on him and, and, and tried to give him as much advice as I could. And he was always very kind to me and, and still talks to me and, you know, so it was fun seeing all the kingdom stuff. And, uh, you know, when the time was right, I just went and did my own stuff. But, um, yeah, it's been, it's, uh, it was a great little, I think we would have done it differently. Now we came in and, and there was a lot of, I had heard one of the guys in ring of honor, make a crack about Mike and maybe he got the job and it wasn't because of his wrestling. It was because of somebody's, assy kissed or something like that and they didn't realize that i was his friend and i was his coach in real life so i just kept tying my boots with my head down but i was like okay so this is what the guys think about him well and and it, it, it gave me some bitter thoughts for a while and you know i think we got in on the wrong foot he and he he did fine he, he managed to he managed to persevere and had made a nice career for himself but in the beginning, it wasn't easy for us because he was a different kind of wrestler. He was very good, great worker, but the guys were interested in one style at that time. And Jim Cornette wanted to just introduce different styles, not take away what they were doing, but just introduce different styles as well. And it was met with a lot of resistance in the beginning. You know, I, I always thought that Ring of Honor needed to be a little bit more mainstream to, be, to have more of a mainstream audience. 
I, I, I think they worked way too hard to be a niche thing when I thought they really could have had a chance to be mainstream at one point, but they never embraced the mainstream style of wrestling. doesn't mean they had to be WWE, but I just think they could, if they leaned a little bit more into the mainstream, like we never had kids, we never had, like we needed a kid's audience. It right. doesn't mean we needed to be a baby product. We didn't. We could have still been a PG or a PG-13 product, but we, did, we never reached out to kids. And we never had a we never had a kids follow. And I don't mean kids like four year olds. I mean kids right. like 12, 13, 15 year olds. Like wrestle like Ring of Honor had a cool factor for a while and they just never, in my opinion, they never embraced it. NWO WWE Attitude Era was lifted up by the coolness that it was looked at by high school and college kids. High school and college men, boys and men, were the ones that lifted that product into the next stratosphere. If you make it cool, just like the Bullet Club, if you make it cool, then all of a sudden it becomes a thing. If right. you, if it, if it, and that's where I think you needed some sort of a young person lift up. And I just don't think we ever embraced that. And that was just their philosophy. I never really tried to change their mind because there really was no changing of their mind. So, yeah. Now, um, do you have any good uh, road stories that you can tell the damaged fans out there? On, on, in- College radio friendly, of course. I have one that's not college and radio friendly that'll take an hour and a half to tell, so I won't <laughs> tell that one. Um, let's see. I, you 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 asked me that before, and I was trying to think of one. I I I mostly minded my business and stayed out of trouble. Um, there was one where uh, my buddy Wildman Congo, Mike Medina, shout out to Mike. Um, the bartender kind of gave him the bartender at a particular establishment got drunk and started yelling at everybody and swearing and there were women and children around and he started cussing at everybody and saying everything and belligerent and got in everybody's face and then congo finally said look if you keep cussing in front of these women and children i'm gonna get you to stop and the guy got two words two more words out of his mouth and congo walked the dog on him and the guy didn't talk anymore now we almost lost the building so, and I don't recommend violence, but I've never been treated like that in my life by anyone. So it's, uh, that was probably, yeah, that was, that's the short PG version of that story. The, the longer version is a little more colorful, but, um, you know, I, I've never really had any situations where like people ran in the ring or anything like that. So I've wrestled in some weird places. I've wrestled in two Chinese restaurants, two Mexican restaurants, uh, an agricultural farming museum, um, actually not too far from you in Delaware. And, um, I've, I've, uh, wrestled about two miles from the JFK museum. Uh, maybe even, maybe a little closer because I used to wrestle like those big trade shows where they'd say VCRs for 49 bucks, DVD players for 69 bucks, things like that. And so these big, like, I don't know, flea market or trade show type things, these would come and we were just, we just wrestled in the middle of it one day. So that was a weird, that was a weird situation. And, I've wrestled at a whole bunch of county fairs with guys with no shirts and rope belts uh, in in cutoff jeans and not looking like John Cena either. And they were all uh, they were directing traffic and telling us where to go. And I said, well, you get directed by an old boy with a rope belt where to go. You listen, you know. Yeah. So and uh, oh, yeah. And uh, race uh, speedway speedways, you know, local speedways, racetracks where. They would ask, you know, what do you guys think of the wrestling? And they'd boo and they'd go get them out of here. We don't want to see them. So that was always pleasant. Um, 
so yeah, all kinds of crazy, crazy things like that. But I, I, I mostly kind of mind my business and, uh, you know, there's, uh, not too many crazy stories. I, I, you know, I, I behave myself on the road with women and all that. And, you know, that's been a big issue. So I'm, I'm glad I've always done that, you know, for the yeah. most part. So, Definitely. and, uh, you know, me being a jerk to all the young guys that stopped a long time ago. So no stories about that. So yeah, nothing. I'm sorry. Kind of boring. Nothing real wild. So, well, um, let's talk a little bit about the uh, website WrestleLife. Uh, tell the damaged fans what's it about and how, the younger aspiring pro wrestlers can benefit from it. Sure. So again, we talked briefly, well, not briefly, we actually talked for, for a little while, but the reason why I started is because there was no, I think that one of the things we're seeing in wrestling, and I think this is starting to change is the biggest thing was you're either a, you're either wrestling Roman Reigns at, for at WrestleMania for the belt, or you're a dirt poor mud show outlaw wrestler with no money who does drugs and cheats on his wife. And I, and I knew that the narrative is much different in real life. Most of the people that I deal with are men who are in serious relationships or married with children and don't want to get screamed at by their wife every time they go out and wrestle. And I'm not putting it on the wife. I'm putting it on them because look, you go out and do this. It's your dream, not theirs. So you go out there and, and while your wife or your kids may be supportive, it's a lot different to be supportive of someone else's dream than be a part of it. So I just tell them either make them a part of it or this is something that has worked very well for other people. And I've suggested it. it's one of the things I suggest. And this is actually a class inside the WrestleLife.com where I actually put my notes down and I talk heart to heart. And I'd say most for the part is man to man, but some of it's man to woman, whatnot, right? And I say, this is the most important class here I'm, I'm going to teach you. This is the one where you learn how to make money, how to honor your family, and how to realize that wrestling, while very important, isn't as important as your family. Because when wrestling goes away, and it doesn't mean you can't be a fan, you can watch it on TV, but when you're not able to do it anymore, most likely your family's still going to be there. So we have to figure out a way to do all this where wrestling benefits you. And I basically tell them, I say, it's, it's making wrestling work for you instead of you working for wrestling. So again, we do the, what I talked about before, where we have, you try to make it like a working vacation or you really step in and get the merchandise hustles strained out, which is another class I teach where you get your merchandise all straightened out. And I don't just teach it. One of the guys I taught, Jack Parker, took it in another direction. Jack had one day where he made $812. I got the video on there um, right on the front page. You scroll down, you, you'll watch the video. It's a 20-minute video. Jack Parker did $812 in one day with less than 50 people paid, and he sold all his own stuff. He didn't sell Bullet Club shirts. He didn't sell action figures. He sold all his own stuff. He sold $500-something worth of his stuff. His wife took an order for screen printing for T-shirts, and he sold $80 worth of shirts he hadn't even come up with yet. It was a concept in his head that he came up with that day, and he came home with $812. Now, Jack doesn't always do that, but last week, I think Jack said he did $700 on a weekend. Jack is just a working guy with a regular job who goes out and wrestles a couple times a weekend and comes home with 
you know, he was telling me, oh, this day I did 300, this day I did two something, this day I did 75 it was a bad day. And I said, your, your bad day is good days for some people. Right. And now if you come home with five, 600 bucks in your pocket after a weekend of wrestling, when it's supposed to be just idiotic, some, you know, Sunday softball for some people, and you come home with real money where you'd make more than you would at a job and you go here, honey, here's both car payments for the month. Or here's half the mortgage. Or here's all the mortgage. Depends where you live, what kind of house you have. Or here's the rent. Well, that's a whole different... Now, now all of a sudden, there's a, there's a position of respect. And you're home for Sunday dinner. You're home for, you know, whatever things the kids have to do. The dance recitals and the ball games or whatnot. And, you know, maybe you missed the Saturday game, but you're going to catch the Sunday game. Or you're going to be back for church or whatever. Whatever's important to you. And... You'll come home with money, and all of a sudden you've traded time. Look, you can't get that time back, but you've traded time for money. So I really try to tell people, if you want to do this, and I look, we're all willing to do it for free, right? I don't want you to do it for free anymore. I want to give you permission to make money. Now, I have a three-step process, and it's going to sound as easy, and it's going to almost sound stupid the way I lay it out. But I do it this way because people need to, need to think in systems, right? They need to think in steps. So the first thing I do is I get you, we're all gonna lose money when we start. So I get you from negative to zero. That's the first stop, let's stop the bleeding. Let's cut our expenses, but we'll still travel better. We'll cut our expenses. We'll try to get our paydays up, but right now we don't have any paydays. You might have to go wrestle for free a couple times to get paid later on. So I try to get you, I try to cut your expenses down. We have a class for that in there. I cut your expenses down and I get you uh, where it's manageable. Now we go from, so we went from negative zero, now we go from zero to some. Zero to some money, S-O-M-E, some. So here's where we get you in the black. Now, I've had people who, again, Jack, I made $812, so Jack probably profited quite a bit that weekend. I've had people cry because they made 64. I've had people cry because they made 15 bucks because they never made money before. Let's get you in the black. Now, if you come home with 15 bucks after three days, we're going to have to work on that. But at least we got you from not, we got you from, not losing money and now you're making some and then the third step is the one that launches you into the next stratosphere and now the next stratosphere might not be a million bucks the next stratosphere might be twenty five thousand dollars a year part-time okay so I'm, I'm being honest with you i'm not going to be a fake ass guy who runs around and tells you you're going to make a million dollars in wrestling sorry to say ass i said it again damn it <laughs> but now we go from some to more like Razor Ramon said when he was talking with Vince, he said, Vince, I don't, need, I don't need all of it. I just need more. So we take you from some to more. And this is where we kind of step you up to get you those $100 pay days, to get you those two or $300 days. And that's where you should be. That's a nice spot. And there are plenty of people in wrestling that are coming home with a couple hundred bucks in their pocket, maybe more, after a weekend. And that's why when I do the, when I do the membership, and the membership's $49 a month, and I'm going to give you a 14-day trial on it. But for your listeners, I'm going to give them a 30-day trial on it because I, I've really, I really like and respect you. And I really am looking forward to meeting you. And I, and I love these questions. These are really good questions. And uh, so I'm going to give all your listeners a free 30-day trial on it. And yeah, after that, you're going to pay $49 a month. But wouldn't you trade $49 a month if you had a chance? If you listen and do all my stuff, I can't guarantee anything. But I could pretty much guarantee that you're going to double, triple, 10 times that in a, in a month if you do what I tell you. Now, you have to do what I tell you, and then 
your own thoughts. But I teach you how to do social classes. I have classes on gear, the best gear. Congo helps you pick out gear. We have, we have stuff in there where we watch matches with indie guys where we point out a lot of the mistakes that indie guys make. We have, we have watch-alongs where we watch famous matches and matches with the pros. Now, we can't show you those matches, but they're on YouTube. They're on the Peacock Network, WWE Network. You just queue them up, and then we, we watch them along with you. It's an audio track. And me and Congo, we break it down like it's two veterans showing you how to it's – it's us kind of translating what they're doing to the rookies and see what they did there, see what Ultimate Warrior did there, see what Hogan did there, you know, see what Ric Flair did there, you know, all kinds of reasons. And then I try to, I'm not a historian, but I have a little bit of history behind me. So I try to give you a historical view and what their mindset was as best I can. I didn't know a lot of these people personally, so I can only translate as best I can, but it is somebody with an education who can teach wrestling is, is showing you. And it's a great way to watch, watch a match and watch it with another eye. So, we do a lot of that in there, too. And like I said, we have Jack Parker in there. We have, by the way, I didn't even mention one of the biggest pieces. Promos. Announcing. I have Kevin Kelly in there. Kevin Kelly voted announcer of the year by Wrestling Observer two, three years in a row. Kevin is, not only is Kevin one of my best friends, his son is my godson. Shout out to Cam. But guess what? Kevin's done one heck of a promo guy. He's probably the most unsung promo coach over the last 10 years. All those guys that came out of Ring of Honor got... 100% better when they went with Kevin. B.J. Whitmer, B.J. Whitmer will tell you that uh, he became one of the best promos in the business because Kevin Kelly worked with him. Now, B.J. did a lot of the work himself, but Kevin Kelly worked with him. Kevin Kelly helped me. He helped so many people in wrestling really up their game promos, and he's a great announcing coach, too, and we have announcing classes in there, promo classes. It's not just a thing where I yell and scream at you how to take a bump. There are some in, There's some in-ring stuff, too. Plenty of in-ring stuff to look at. And again, for your listeners today, your viewers and listeners today, I'm giving them a 30-day trial. All you have to do is go to prowrestlingstarterkit.com. You'll see the 30-day trial up there. Actually, there's a typo. It says 14-day. But it is a 30-day trial. And you'll get 30 free days on it. I have nothing to hide. There's no hidden things in there. There's nothing you're going to have. I'm going to hit, I'm going to throw you the keys and walk away for 30 days. You'll be able to look at everything. I want you to go in. I want you to look at everything and I want your feedback. Check it out. You'll have to put your credit card number in. That's just for security. So we can identify you and then, but that's it. It doesn't get charged for 30 days. I promise. And we've had very good luck with it. And if you cancel, you cancel, that's fine. And then I'll work harder to get your business later on. But I think you're really going to stay on because there's a lot of cool things in there. I do a live Q and a when I can in there. And, uh, we offer a lot of content that, um, you know, like I said, we do it. We do, I do podcasts, I do Q and A's, I do videos. I do a lot of other stuff in there too. So very, very cool place. The wrestlelife.com. I'm super proud of it. Um, life has gotten in the way where I haven't de de devoted as much time to it in the last couple of months that I would like to, but we're jumping back in. This is why I'm on the podcast involving myself again, because we're jumping back in full throttle. We're going to start doing job fairs around the country. We're going to start doing live rest of life job summits where I'm going to have every trainer. I announced this today. We're going to have every trainer there will also be a promoter who can hire you for shots. So you'll have four or five promoters in there that you'll be not only being taught by, but can give you work on a steady basis. I'm going to build a network where we can have independent wrestling going on all the time. And if you're looking for dates and trying to line up your date book and get three shots in an area, 
it'll be a lot easier because we'll build these relationships. And I'm going to throw it all out there. This is the stuff I always yell at people to do. Well, guess what? I'm going to lay it all out for you. And I'm going to put these people right in your face and say, go be friends with this person. Because mm-hmm. you asked me what mantra I live with. Here's another one. I just want my friends to be friends with my friends. How's that? I just want everybody to work together. And that doesn't mean we have to be kumbaya and we're all best men at everybody's wedding. But we should get along well enough where I can trade talent with you. I just started booking for Rocky Mountain Pro in Denver. I have a Tuesday show. Now, look, I'm going to tell you right now, it's not a paid show. But guess what? All the regulars don't get paid either. Right Right. now, it's a student show. But if you send me a carload of people on Tuesday and you want to go to Denver, you'll get work. And guess what we do? They do pay-per-views every uh, three months or every two months, excuse me. And they do TV tapings. And there's a lot of influential people that watch that show and that are involved. And um, I've known Matt Yane for a long time. Matt's the owner of uh, Rocky Mountain Pro. They've been running for 12 years. And I yelled and screamed at Matt so much. Uh, I finally decided to come in and work for 25 cents on the dollar to do it right. And uh, because he's overwhelmed and Matt, Matt's doing a great job doing a lot of other stuff in the business. So now we're going to help him grow his business so um, he can be successful. So we have a lot of cool things going on and that's the greatest thing about this business is when I see, like, I'm going to meet you said, I'm going to meet you at the monster factory. When I see somebody who says, I'm from Ohio and I came to see you at the monster factory. Now I get to wrestle in New Jersey. That's the greatest thing ever. And I met Danny cage and Danny treated me real good. And now we're going to have Danny in for a seminar at our place in a couple of months. And I just love that. I love when people go out and see each other and, um, HC Loke, uh, a Ring of Honor yeah. original and an ECW uh, guy, has become a really good friend the last three or four years. He just met Cody Hawk, trainer of world champions. Now, Cody Hawk is is shy, and I always pick on him. Cody, I'm picking on you in public now. Cody Hawk trained John Moxley, Sammy Callahan, and L.A. Knight, so he's okay. He does he does okay, and his wife Shauna Reed is one of the best women wrestlers in the country, and uh, Cody's a damn good hand too, and. Cody just met H.C. Loke like three months ago. Isn't that crazy? They're both wow. about the same age. They've both been wrestling for 25 years, and they just met each other. But you know what? I only met those guys three or four years ago, too, and now we're all buddies. And now we all know each other, and I'm sure Cody's going to go up to upstate New York and do something with Matt down the line, H.C. Loke, and it's going to be awesome. That's the plan, man. Just get everybody to know each other, get everybody to work together, and you know, I'm almost like a matchmaker. And by a matchmaker, I don't mean... I mean, like, uh, you know, date, like, you know, like, uh, you know, the old Jewish yenta with the, you know, putting the, putting the man and the woman together. Right. Except yeah. this is a romantic, this is just <laughs> wrestling, you know, wrestling matchups where we, they're not going to fight though. They're going to work together to, to, to make the, the, the territories better. We have a chance to build a little network here. And, uh, if I have to be the architect of it all, I didn't really want to be, I was like, go talk to that guy and figure it out. But they're scared to talk to each other for some reason. They really are. And it's so right. funny because a lot of these people have as many credentials as I have, if not more, and they're still lacking confidence. So if I can help them build a little confidence and get out there and, and network a little bit, then I'm more than happy to do that. And uh, so that, yeah, that's, that's kind of the goal, man. Just, uh, and again, for your, for your viewers and listeners, prowrestlingstarterkit.com, 30 day free trial and uh, a bunch of stuff coming forward. In fact, if they sign up, I'll send them an exclusive 
How about this? I haven't done this for anyone, and this is not a sales pitch. I haven't done it for anyone because I just thought of it now. But I'm going to send an hour and 40-minute live seminar that I did. I taped it last year. It was one of my first seminars coming back from the pandemic where you'll learn at least five new things just by watching it. And it's a lot. You'll see me live. You'll see me in person. And I'll be happy for anybody that signs up. Just send me an email. Send me a message. Say, I just signed up for the 30-day free seminar through this through this podcast. And I will send you that. I'll send you that link. And uh, you'll be able to watch a very cool seminar and see what I do live. All my seminars are different. So the, the seminar that you'll see at the Monster Factory is going to be different from that one. But that'll give you a taste of what I do. Well, Bruto Bob, we'd like to thank you so much for your time. Completely down in stand. You just got a history lesson from this man. Um, I look forward to meeting you on February 26th live at the world-famous Monster Factory in Paulsburg, New Jersey. Fans, go out to that show and meet this man. I can't wait to meet him myself. And uh, appreciate your time very first, much tonight. First time, yep, before I leave you, first time Tough Tim Hughes and I have teamed in 2022. Also, first time we've ever teamed with Wild Man Congo in six-man action. And wow. remember, these are two. These are the guys I ride with all the time. These are two of my best friends, but they don't always get along together. So we'll see what happens. But, Definitely. You know, I'm I'm damn proud of Tim. I'm damn proud of uh, Mike. And you know what? I'm damn proud of you. This was a heck of an interview, man. You did a great Thank job. You, sir. And Thank you. Uh, if there's anything I can ever help you with, let's talk at the factory. I love let's, it. Yeah. Uh, let's let's talk about blasting this podcast off and getting you some more viewers and listeners. Well, it was an honor and a privilege, man. And member fans. Don't keep it nice and neat. Keep it completely damaged on MonkerRadio.com where music and minds meet. <laughs>